Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. So today we are going to talk about how meditation can empower our brains and also how it has the potential to change our DNA. Right. Welcome, everybody. Um, so it's interesting that we have as much information as we do these days about our brains that differs so much from how the brain was understood for a long time. So until around the 1980s, it was really accepted in the medical community that the brain was fixed after about age 20 to 25, and you were kind of stuck with what you had. And it's since been discovered through tons of research. There's so much research out there, which is uh, all really interesting to uh, see what we understand now. We can see that science is showing that the opposite is true and that our brain not only can change, but that it likes to change and that everything we're doing impacts our how our brain is shaping and it means that everything that's happening to us, all of our choices, our surroundings, the activities we engage in, all of that impacts who we are becoming. So we're the effect of our past experiences. Our brains interpret information from the external world, and it's constantly changing the brain structure, and it makes us either better at succeeding and surviving in our current environment or the opposite. You know, we kind of take that downward spiral because we're training our brains in that way. Yes. And so knowing this, um, we can see that it's both good and bad news because if we're not really conscious of how we live, how we interact with people, whom we interact with, we that's not necessarily in our favor because the brain doesn't judge it just adapts so if i watch a lot of violent movies if i listen to stressful music if i spend time with people who are very aggressive and negative my brain just thinks oh this is how the world is oh i'm just gonna work around that i'm gonna make you more aggressive i'm gonna adapt to this environment you're in. And uh, I mean, this, of course, depends on what kind of life you want to live, what goals you have, and who you want to be. And how many of us think about this and ask ourselves the question, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be in six months from now? Because we do have a choice. As Cara just said, the brain is so changeable. And this just made me think of, you know, this typical comment in movies when people break up where it's like, oh, you changed or you're not the same. Well, we do change. Right. Yeah. And so let's take advantage of this and make choices that will lead us to the person we want to be and towards the goals that we strive for. Right. And... Um, but it doesn't stop with the brain. 
just like Cara mentioned, there's a lot of research on the brain. Now we're actually starting to see the same thing with the DNA. So some of the genes have an on or off switch. For example, alcoholism. It has an on and off switch. So let's say I'm born with that gene, but I grew up in a very good environment where people don't drink a lot. Perhaps by now when I'm 30, um, that gene will be turned on from on to off. And that means any future children being born will also have this on off. That's so um, uplifting to, to know because you do kind of feel like you're burdened with your your genes and that you're burdening the future generations with things that come from your, you know your past or your ancestors past and to know that they can be overcome in some cases and not be passed on is uh, is very good news and i i don't think that we hear about that enough no and uh just in case uh, you get to know about this after having children, there's no need to be sad about this because environment is still very strong. So right, we can still make good impact on our children and ourselves just by changing our behaviors. Absolutely. Great. And our point. mindsets. Right. And so you might wonder how this relates to meditation. Well, when we meditate... We change the structure of the brain, as Cara just said, and we have the potential of changing our DNA. So, of course, that is a really good tool and knowledge to have with us. Absolutely. So let's talk about the areas, the specific areas within the brain that are really in play when we talk about changing who we are and um, and meditation. So there are um, certain areas connected to specific functions, and the interplay between these two areas plays a crucial role in influencing, influencing what kind of person we are. And one of these crucial areas is called the limbic system, and that's in the middle of the brain, and the other is the prefrontal lobe, which is on the outermost part of the brain in the forehead area. So as humans, the human brain evolved, the limbic system was kind of there in the middle. It's kind of our more prehistoric part or our more animalistic part of our brain. And then as we evolved and the brain kept getting bigger, this prefrontal um lobe was one of the last parts of the evolution. It's one of the outermost parts of the brain. So within um, meditation, positive thinking, good diet, and exercise, all of those things, all of those healthy choices are stimulating our prefrontal lobe. And that's where we have human happiness. We have our sense of well-being that's where we have our solution-oriented thinking rather than always being problem-oriented. And according to the tradition that Alessandra and I um, follow, we in meditation 
consciously focus our energy at that point between the eyebrows. And that is stimulating and energizing that prefrontal lobe. So it's interesting to see this research and then look back on what we've been taught and understand, okay, these yogic, these ancient yogic traditions have been teaching this for centuries and generations and now we have the science who's going in and seeing through brain scans, brain imaging, what's actually happening and it, and how it correlates with what we know the brain is doing, which is really exciting. So then we have the limbic system. Again, this is the part that's the innermost part of our brain. And this includes the amygdala, the hippocampus, the thalamus, hypothalamus, and so on. And it's our emotional center of the brain. Um, it's a very primitive part of the brain. It's where our survival instincts are. It's where our fear is and where our anxiety hangs out. So um, this is the limbic system is part of the brain that many animals have too. It's very animalistic. And the prefrontal lobe uh, we only share that with a few animals like dolphins and other primates. So just to summarize a little bit, um, the limbic part of the brain is kind of our safety net. So it does play a really important role. Even though we do have our anger and fear there, it is kind of what is driving our survival instincts when we need them. We kind of have to remember that we we need those in limited quantities and we get in trouble when we live in a state of survival instinct all day long. Um, so we have uh, that part of our brain which links to that and then we have the prefrontal lobes, the prefrontal cortex and that's what's driving us with our true happiness and our creativity and all of our higher processing our solution-oriented thinking and things like that. Yeah, and actually our brains are still very much structured as they were many thousand years ago when we lived out in the wild, on the savannah. And that's what the limbic system is there for. We're supposed to run away from tigers and bears and anything dangerous. And when we have that threat, it's a good thing because you need that extra adrenaline or all those hormones running through your body so you can just run or fight that animal. But today, the challenge is that how often do we meet a tiger? Right. How often do I have to fight a bear? It hasn't right. happened yet. Maybe Perhaps just I our don't... friend Donna who lives in South Africa. She sees some really um, interesting animals and snakes yeah. and things. She, so yeah. she can tell us some stories. <laughs> yeah, she needs to use Donna, use your limbic system more. You need to. You you see some real stuff, but the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, normally today our threats are like a difficult situation to work or mm. issues in our relationships or what could it be? Um, you go on social media and everything looks so perfect for everyone else and that makes you really stressed. So you get stressed, but you don't run off all those hormones because mm -hmm. When we have uh, the tiger after us, we run off those hormones. So right. We run it off and then it's over. You know, mm. the, the tiger gets somebody, the lion gets somebody else or, or gets us. <laughs> but in modern society, we just kind of build this up in our bodies and we keep it in and then we just mm. get anxious. And Right. 
So the prefrontal lobe is very important, and it helps us keep it helps to keep us functioning at the highest level. And the the prefrontal lobes and the limbic system can't work at the same time. They have uh, the type of relationship where when one is active, the other is quiet. And when one is quiet, the other is active. So the more we are activating the prefrontal cortex, the quieter our limbic system is. So this goes into, we use this in meditation, but the through meditation, we're strengthening that prefrontal cortex, which then quiets our limbic system. And we carry that with us outside of meditation. So this is where we get back to that practice. You mm. know, meditation is a practice, but through our practice, we're getting strength. So just like when you play basketball and you notice that your legs are getting stronger and your arms are getting stronger through that constant exercise, you have the same, you know, even when you're not playing basketball, it's the same thing with meditation. And then that helps us in our day-to-day life. So this is one of the secrets of why um, meditators uh, tend to have better control over their emotions, for example, and be calmer. Um, it's because they have a stronger prefrontal cortex and they're quieting their limbic system. And so you can see things like this in your day-to-day life. You know, as a, a parent, I notice um, that I, you know, one of my big triggers in my day-to-day life it can be my children and their interactions with each other in particular and um, I can tell that I'm getting stronger through meditating, that I'm not as reactionary and I have um, more calmness. Now, this doesn't mean that I am completely laid back all the time when my children are arguing with each other. Um, you know, I still have a ways to go. And I think that there's still a place in parenting where, you know, you have to put guidelines up there and you have to have have boundaries and, you know, children sometimes need more energy in the discipline in order to really know when they've crossed a line. So, you know, it's not like I became a doormat because I started meditating by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely can kind of raise my consciousness a little bit higher to be able to come at those kinds of things with more compassion and with more of a solution-oriented you know, consciousness rather than just kind of yelling and not really thinking about what I am, what I really want to do about the situation. Very good. So let's look at a study which was done a few years ago. It was a study on women and how they dealt with anger. So there were three different groups. The first group was the kind of persons who acted out in anger, they threw stuff at their partners or whoever they were angry at and they shouted and just acted out on it. The second group, they were kind of ashamed of their anger and they kind of swallowed it and didn't really do anything like actively, but didn't really work with the emotion either. The third group, they dealt with it in a more mature way, meaning that You know, when they got angry, let's say they have a fight with their partner or their child, they would take a moment, go away, contemplate, meditate, breathe, I don't know, (laughs) just to get some space to think before you go into the situation again so you have a clear mind and don't say anything you will regret later and that will infect the situation further. And 
also, let's say, the person wasn't there. Maybe there was someone who just, a stranger who did something strange and then they were gone. Then they would instead call someone. They would go and exercise or try and work with themselves, do something positive to just get away from that mode of anger. And so they studied these women for a few years. And group number one, they started with the worst health, physically and mentally. Group number two was mediocre. And group number three were they had the best health, physically and mentally. And so after the three years, they saw that group number one acted out in anger. They got worse. Group number two, they stayed kind of the same. And group number three, who kind of worked with their emotions in a mature way, they got better physically and emotionally, mentally. And so when they looked at this group of people who tended to act out in anger and they interviewed the women, many of them said, oh, so I don't understand this. You interviewed me uh, a few years ago and... We talked about anger and I just keep on getting more and more angry and I don't want to. I get angry because I get angry. And so at least they had some awareness, but because they kept on acting out on it, they kept on arousing their limbic system. They kept on going to that primitive part. And uh, so the lesson of this is that it's trainable. The limbic system is trainable. And the prefrontal lobe is trainable. So we can choose. Do we want to live as the primitive being? Or do we want to live as the empowered being who just thinks more clearly and acts in a mature way to all situations? And this doesn't even, if you put everyone else aside, it's for your health. It's not healthy to have all these emotions and don't get me wrong. We have these emotions too, me and Cara. <laughs> but, you know, try and work with those emotions. The more we can do that, the better we will feel. And it will impact our health on all levels. And I attended a yoga workshop a few, uh, it was a year ago. Beautiful workshop. And this woman is so inspiring. She works in prisons, both in Sweden and in U.S. actually. And she did a little uh, show with us. She wanted us to have an image of what it looks like in the brain. So she did first the dysfunctional brain. And we were many different parts of the brain. But let's just focus on the limbic system here and the prefrontal lobe. And the limbic system was supposed to be a drama queen. And it was just there ah, shouting and looking like a drunk person. The prefrontal lobe is supposed to be the leader of the brain. But the leader was on coffee break and was just not active. And then and someone was, so I was actually the one, is it the brainstem who was just going to be the messenger um, and was just running all the time. It was very exhausting. And then we looked at the brain after a few weeks of yoga or meditation. And then uh, the drama queen was getting more and more quiet. And the boss come back from coffee break and yeah they started to talk with each other the different functions of the brain and then we looked at it a year later and then she made us all holding our hands and it was such a powerful experience because you want that prefrontal lobe to be the leader 
not the like the limbic system is a boss, just someone who is you want to control and doesn't necessarily make the team, your team going in the right direction. Right, the best decisions, maybe not. No. <laughs> oh, so well, I hope that's goes, illustrated it. Yeah, that's better. lovely. Well, that illustrates also um, how the brain works together. So we've focused really on the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex, but there is a bridge between the, the left and right brain. So there's something called the corpus callosum. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, it's the bridge between the right and left hemisphere of our brains. And the longer we meditate, the thicker that corpus callosums get. And the left brain is in charge of our past and our future, our language, critical thought, and our analytic thought, our math. And the right brain is focused on music and creativity, inspiration, connectedness, problem solving, and so forth. So in our societies, we, we kind of tend to value the left brain a little more than the right brain because that's really kind of focused on that achieving and the, the analytics and, and um, the things that we focus on in school, really. And we think that ideas and productivity need to be born out of stress. And uh, that's not true. So if we think about people like Elon Musk or Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, where do they fit into this so-called left brain, right brain paradigm? Well, what we find is that brain imaging studies have shown that highly successful, massively creative people are using both brain halves in a much more balanced and integrated way than the rest of us. And after his brain was posthumously examined, Einstein was found to be in this category. And through meditation, we have that ability to make the brain highly connected and balanced and working in sync so that all the parts are working together like these superhumans that we mentioned. Yeah, and um, so maybe after listening to this, you might feel inspired to do some meditation because who, who doesn't want to, like when you read research done on meditation, there are so many pros on meditating. Actually, I'm a meditator, but doing research for this <laughs> episode is like, why? Why is it not more popular I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's like you said, Cara, you used to mention this at your classes. What is it that you say? Well, I think I actually stole it from Dr. Peter Van Houten, but, um, or Van Houten. I'm never sure how to say it, but he's a doctor in, um, a community that Alessandra and I are both a member, members of. But, um, there are so many benefits and we haven't really even touched that much on all of the benefits of meditation. Of course, we've talked a lot today about the psychological and the, the emotional balance parts of it, but there's so many physiological benefits and health benefits that go way, way beyond what we've talked about today. But if they sold these benefits in a pill, it would fly off the shelves. You wouldn't be able to keep stock. And you have no 
negative side effects. All the side effects just keep coming more and more positively. So if you're trying to um, counter anxiety, you know, you're going to be able to do that, but you're also going to lower your blood pressure and you're going to be able to regulate your digestion better and so on. And so, I mean, the the list just really goes on and on. So um, it's really incredible in that way. Yeah. So, and both of us know, me and Cara, we've done the journey. Like, it's hard to start. And if you listen back to previous episode uh, where we talk about the practical tips, we talk a bit about habit and how you can establish that. Um, So we know it is hard, but it actually is enough just to do 15 minutes a day. You can do it a few times a week and you will experience the calmness or the happiness. Um, But, you know, you just get that for the moment. If you really want the lasting change of your mindset, of your brain, and as you know now, potentially your DNA, you have to do it daily. You have to stick with it. Right. And I think we've probably used this analogy in a previous episode, but it's, it is like going to a gym. So you, you will feel better after meditating even once or twice. Um, but as you're saying, you, you need to keep it up because you'll keep getting stronger. So Mm. you want that daily practice, just like the for the same reason that you go to the gym multiple times, because you're not going to get that, that benefit, that ongoing benefit. You're not going to stay stronger if you don't keep up with it. So it's the Mm. same thing with meditation and the, the results keep getting deeper and deeper the more you do it. Yeah, the trick is just to find your carrot. Once again, coming back to that question, who do you want to be? Is mm. it that you want to be successful in your work? Cause, or maybe you're an artist, you want to be creative, or you don't even have to be an artist. Maybe you just want to be creative in life, at work, and maybe you want to improve relationships with your loved ones, not so loved ones. Um, so just find that carrot and... I think we should start to close off for today and summarize it all. So just know that our brains love to change. So ask yourself, who do you want to become? And then shape your, like try and engage with people who who are like the one you want to become and engage in that kind of activities Listen to the music that will take you to that place. Um, just be conscious about everything that we feed our brains with because the brain will just adapt. Absolutely. So, you know, this has a huge footing in meditation, but it's, it's a wonderful thing to bring to light that everything that we're doing in our lives impacts who we are. So there's a lot we can do outside of meditation as well that can help us to grow and to keep our brains healthy. So we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that you've learned a little bit about your changeable brain. And um, we hope that you'll subscribe and we will look forward to the next meditation conversation. 